0: everyone, welcome back to Central American Voices. I'm your host, Alejandra Quiroz. Gracias por sintonizarnos una vez más. Today we are with Tomás Ayuso. He and him, Pronounced, is an Honduran writer and documentary photojournalist. Tomás' work focuses on Latin America conflict as it relates to the drug war, forced displacement, and urban dispossession. Welcome, Tomás. Thank you for, you know, accepting to come in here and the podcast and the show. It is an honor to have you here.
1: Well, thank you for having me. This is a pleasure. And anytime I can speak with a paisana, paisano in the, like guess, journalism or communication or podcast or any case of expression, I'm always keen to participate.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so, to start a little bit uh, today, um, for everyone, Uh, that's listening today. So today is currently the Honduran election. So this podcast, this episode actually will be mostly about the Honduran election and that's why we're going to talk with Tomas. Uh, But before we dive into that part, um, tell us a little bit about your work as a photojournalist and how you have been working with the communities that has been displaced.
1: My work essentially boils down to uh, I guess to put it in a, just a category is conflict journalism, meaning the journalism that revolves the antecedents of conflict, conflict itself, and the consequences thereof. The, the whys, the hows, and the what happened after. In Latin America, conflict largely, with few exceptions, it revolves around organized crime, namely drug trafficking
2: mm-hmm.
1: and all the different consequences of the groups that protect, aid, and abed the, uh, the trafficking thereof. So. In doing conflict journalism in Latin America, I have worked in the producing countries of cocaine uh, in South America, the countries where it just passes through, like transit countries like Honduras, and the distributing countries, specifically Mexico. And that's been my focus for the longest time i mean that's been my focus period Mm -hmm. and then everything kind of uh breaks down from that uh so i would say that my three axes of or aspects rather of what i work on is the drug war itself
2: Mm -hmm.
1: urban dispossession since the cities are where the the urban rural divide is growing larger by the day with rural communities disappearing and urban peripheral communities expanding uh and into sprawling amorphous shapes that were once unimaginable and lastly as you said displacement
2: mm-hmm.
1: forced displacement and the lives and the many different identities people go through uh, in the process of being displaced mm-hmm. and now tying it back to Central America for the uh, the sake of this podcast I, my long running project has been one that focuses exclusively on Honduran Mm displacement, but more specifically on the effect of 10 years of trauma, conflict, and interlinked crises Mm
2: -hmm. on
1: Honduran youth called The Right to Grow Old that with the name kind of hints to what it's about. Uh, which is, I guess I'll just say it, that being young in Honduras has revoked the the use Mm -hmm. of their once unassailable, inalienable right to live. There's no guarantee for many of the 70 to 75% of youth who are born in poverty and even greater numbers born into extreme poverty that they will make it to the age of 25 for the many reasons there exists being mm-hmm. the more recent ones uh, or more news cur- currently the news cycle ones being climate change and the droughts and the destruction of the rural way of life mm-hmm. to economic violence in the sense of just, and classism rather, that just Mm -hmm. exclude large swaths of the population from access to uh, upward, any sort of upward mobility only being relegated to vertical downward mobility. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if mobility is the right word. Terminal velocity, really. Mm -hmm. And lastly, uh, generalized violence that comes mm-hmm. as a consequence of the many concurrent crises that exist in the country that I suppose mm-hmm. I can speak about more in detail later.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then, um, I mean, you, uh, it's something I was telling you that I follow since I think the um, the caravan to like around the caravan age of 2018 and yeah you your work focus more on like uh, the work that i have seen of course um even if it's all latin america it was mainly on honduras and it's very interesting to to kind of like sit down and hear you say about the youth in honduras right that mm-hmm. most of them would not be able to be alive by the age of 25 for many many reasons you know, um. Mm-hmm. And it's like well, we tend to say like, oh, you know, the youth, or the homelessness, you know, they're like the future of the country, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like I will say as a renowned and we we probably get more into later of like how the country has failed them and many mm-hmm. aspects, you know, like you said climate change, something that um is has been probably for uh, many years already a form of migration well like a reason for migration you know like it caused displacement right as you said forced mm-hmm. displacement and how d- when when it comes to the outside of this in this case of Honduras is not seen as there as a reason for migration it's not seen as a reason to seek asylum or uh, when we talk about the drug uh war or when we talk about um you said crime, uh, violence, or gang violence, or economic, or like work opportunities, and education. It's a, it's, I, I don't know. How can we dive in into all those things when it comes to um, the population, like, underpopulation, population? Because there's so many crises that it, it felt like you don't have no way out. That's how I feel, personally.
1: Well, yeah. And, yes, that is something that i've been exploring recently um and i don't have a precise (laughs) name to describe this uh, phenomenon that you that you describe yourself right now and but for the time being this will do and it's that people hondurans right now um i I would believe that more so those who are living in Honduras, mm-hmm. but also uh the greater diaspora, as the stain st- continues to spread everywhere the the stain of diaspora rather just how it grows and grows in the shapeless mm-hmm. um silhouette of Honduras abroad, or i I call it outer Honduras, mm-hmm. but uh I do believe that someone such as yourself is wherever you are, you are Mm re-territorializing wherever you are into a little island, islet of Honduras, Mm -hmm. such as your house with your mom and all that. And I would say everyone, even uh, folks who from the caravan crossed in in the U.S., Mm -hmm. Or people in Honduras right now living in the downtown Tehusigalpa to the farmers living in the most recondite corner of the country. There is an accumulation of traumas. Yep. An accumulation that is the result of synchronized or maybe not even synchronized, but simultaneous crises happening happening at the same time. That whereas they might have not started at the same time, they they started individually and would did not stop when another one started.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the original crisis crisis was not resolved.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So you end up having a compounding effect that multiplies the stress, I'd say, Mm -hmm. of having to live in a place where there's no no work and inflation is through the roof and there's political instability. So if you have a little bit of money, you don't know if it's a good time to invest in property, Mm -hmm. if you have the means. Or if you are a small business owner that's going to have a putteria, if it's a good idea to open one because there's been a change in dynamics of extortion Mm -hmm. by organized crime and with more youth falling into the grips of organized crime as periphery neighborhoods grow and the state is absent and gangs quickly fill in the spot of authority. It all is connected, but at the same Mm -hmm. time, it all happens isolated from each other.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, The same way, like, say, for instance, uh, the pandemic, when it came, it exacerbated each problem individually, Mm
2: -hmm. but
1: then also uh, the greater uh, accumulation of crises at the same time. It was intersectional, if you will. Mm-hmm. And this continues to happen, um so it's like, yeah, we can't perhaps it's a conversation for another day to go in depth into everything, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know if it's that much to understand the current frame of mind of a modern day present day Honduran mm-hmm. uh it's uh, if we're talking about an abstract Honduran, that is not so much to talk about each particular crisis but -hmm. rather that the toll of the accumulate accumulated traumas have on on a person and frankly it's too much i believe that truly 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 in under there is uh in the collective subconscious or just if you ask most people there is a definitive sense of despair there is an absolute and i believe i say absolute because i have to use these conclusive words as i've not seen anything that tells me otherwise
2: Mm -hmm.
1: absolute sense of hopelessness that it someone told me once that The the Republic of Honduras was a failed experiment, and for in the in the future we will serve as a cautionary tale, you know. And other people have told me, uh, said something along the lines of that kind of like. This, this was on, I think, somewhere on the migrant route. Mm -hmm. Uh, migrant man, he he was very just, you could see that he was depressed and miserable. Mm -hmm. The accumulated traumas clearly showed Mm -hmm. how, just how much he had been affected by the many losses, personal losses, Mm -hmm. and many different things that affected his life, uh, or directly. And I remember saying that, Honduras, uh, as, as a country and as a society, is like a uh, moribund an, animal. It's just mm. it needs to be. It's at the end of the line. It's mm-hmm. too it's too wounded wounded to continue. It, it's if it survives, it'll be uh, mutilated and disfigured, and mm-hmm. it's almost unsalvageable and it's hard to hear that yeah, because it's hard. you hear the the, the, the counter argument um of people who do good work and there's many
2: mm-hmm. you know
1: it's not the, the case to say that everyone's leaving uh although the majority are but people are staying and doing great work and doing all they can for, across uh the political spectrum well I'm sorry ac- across the class divide and uh, all different kinds of devices you can imagine. People are doing mm-hmm. things, but there's such a systemic and structural rot that mm-hmm. it's it just uh, you will always end up. For as much good and uh, beneficial things are being done to help ameliorate the many different crises, you yep. end up going back to. The starkness of hopelessness, yeah, and that's what worries me in the long run. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you cure
0: that. Yeah, I don't know either. And you know, it's hard to hear. It's hard to hear someone because I have heard someone tell me one time, "Oh, Honduras in unos cuantos años ya no existir," and it's hard to hear that. But like Mm -hmm. in 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 the sense of like you know, like you said, like it's it's the country is hurt from so many reasons and um, there's so many trauma. And I think that um, to hear someone who worked, you know, with with the communities, um, you know, Mm going of the time, hear that, you know, like, yeah, it's a trauma, trauma that most of us don't recognize, that most of us who migrate um, here in the diaspora sometimes don't recognize, or people who are living over there, we don't recognize that those are traumas that will be carried throughout our lives um and no no not at all it it, you know we don't we don't recognize those uh traumas and about you know the whole different crisis that have led to the Honduras that is today and it's it's hard you know like hearing you say like about the being a felt the Honduras being a felt someone you know like I love my country you know for for the good parts of the country you know that what to me, it defines Honduras, which is the good, you know, um, mm-hmm. it, it's hard to hear that. And, you know, talking about this upcoming election and this, it, it's hard. But, um, you know, since I tend to say, and I don't know, maybe you have another perspective, but I tend to see, uh, I'm not saying that the country was perfect before. I This is not what I'm, I meant, but I just think that the country was a bit different. Um, before El golpe de estado, and I always tend to see like, it. It, it was a like after two thousand nineteen. It was completely different. It was something that I I couldn't recognize. It is is until this day. How many years has passed? Like, oof, like twelve years already, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, twelve years. Is it, I feel that what happened there, we haven't even resolved it. And we have been, like you said, just adding more, 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 more than the crisis feels like, you know, and then the sense of hopelessness, it, because mm-hmm. even, you know, people in Honduras, that's how it feels. And you ask someone, <laughs> you know, you ask your family members, and they will probably give you an answer like that, or and, or people outside will probably tell you, like, Back. you know, like it's, and and, and like you said, mm-hmm. it like, worries you. Because it's like, what are we going to do then?
1: Yeah, well, that I I don't know. I would I think I would disagree with what you said about that.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I disagree and agree. Yes, okay. after t- after two thousand nine, things definitely there was a greater awakening.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but Hondurans uh, uh, for the twentieth century were. Uh, there was many political movements, radical movements. Um, I mean, even if I'm correct, the origin of the liberals was as a guerrilla uh, mm-hmm. army of workers' rights, you know, in the coast. Mm-hmm. This is why that's their stronghold to this day.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, in the 80s, student groups and all that, they've, they, who were disappeared and brutalized during the different manifestations of, uh, American, um, what's it called security policy vis-a-vis the Sandinistas were held, you know, uh, this, a forced disappearances, torture, et cetera, that, um, there's been this radicalization, but for, at least in the modern era, not even going back Mm -hmm. to how things were, um, maybe in the turn of the century with a different um, like uprisings of workers.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: When
1: you have, uh, which kind of, in a way, well, let me walk that back and say that when it happened in the 80s, people turned, I, I from what I spoke with veterans of that era, that... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this country uh, was just truly, was not brainwashed, but really fell into the anti-communist mm-hmm. rhetoric, except mm-hmm. students, of course. So, mm-hmm. so it, it, it boils down to, I wasn't affected, so I don't care.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but the political activism and everything has been there. These people didn't care. The same thing with Berta. Many people, Casares, I mean, when she was murdered, a lot lot of Hondurans did not know who she was because it didn't affect them directly. So they didn't care. Mm -hmm. And you could go on with so many different um, scenarios Mm -hmm. until, yes, 2009, when there wasn't anyone who was spared the consequences of the coup. Mm-hmm. everyone was locked down for three or whatever months it was. Mm-hmm. Everyone saw the drama unfold. Everyone had the cadena nacionales and everything. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: it forced politics into the discussion uh, amongst families, amongst neighbors, friends, etc. It wasn't... A, it, it wasn't i don't I don't know if it was like a loss of innocence, which a lot of people uh-huh. claim it was, but it was more so like uh uh forcing Hondurans to reckon with the society and that uh, that developed since the eighties and I think that what happened in 2017 with the reelection. Mm-hmm. Of uh Juan Orlando, it again forced politics into everyone's plate, whether mm-hmm. they like it or not. Now you have to deal with it now you have to think about it. you know, not even mention all the trumped up taxes like the Ta that for mm-hmm. listeners who know who don't know is an extra tax elite levied by the government to pay for security. Meaning armament and uh wages of police- military police wow uh police brutality um feminicide, uh generalized mm-hmm. or, uh violence by organized crime keeps extremely high it is uh it just government and politics keeps getting in the way of life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um whereas I don't know in the nineties that wasn't much the case. Uh and even with the dictatorships, um yes and no, except specific events, kind of like the war with El Salvador or uh when there was coups and if you speak with the older folk they especially if they lived in Tulseap, how things shut down and everything. But mm-hmm. now um and this brings us to the election now that there isn't the luxury of hiding your head or just turning away and saying, ah, that's someone else's business. Mm-hmm. There is no escaping it. Now you you do have to pick a side. You do have to do something. Of course, mm-hmm. voter apathy is one of the greatest assets that um the reigning regime have, but that doesn't change the fact that Everyone in Honduras has an opinion on it. And mm-hmm. it's no wonder that the Fuera Ho song became such a meme song
2: mm-hmm.
3: and
1: everyone knew about it because everyone just, that's how it is.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And this is why personally I'm concerned for what's going to happen in the elections this year because it is. Med- It is now the most important election we've had since the Mm -hmm. return to democracy in the early 80s. I say that because this comes, it it almost ends the cycle that began with the coup. Mm -hmm. Uh, That of um, the elites going, political elites, military elite and economic elite going crazy or really becoming hyper selfish and just doing everything that they want for to advance their own interests, no matter who dies, who Mm -hmm. burned and who suffers and whose future is uh, obliterated. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And whereas I would have said the election, uh, uh, the transition between post coup government of Micheletti and the subsequent election of Pepalo was the most important at the time because of could we mm-hmm. could it, we reconnect that the de- democratic line that we you know suffered to get uh through most of the 20th century and then later the election of the illegal election which mm-hmm. still hasn't been resolved it's still you know uh, Technically speaking, from a, from what I understand, I'm not a legal expert or whatever, it is uh, completely outside of the law with, well, what Juan Orlando is mm-hmm. doing in his second term, because second terms don't exist
2: uh-huh. in
1: the, the Constitution. By all mm-hmm. definitions, he is a rogue president at the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, just that no one enforced the laws because our Constitution as it exists right now is full of of uh, legal vacuums and pitfalls. Yeah. It just mm-hmm. there's just holes in it. It just didn't. That's why we had a coup in the first place. There was no mechanism to impeach a president. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Um, so with Juan Orlando, the same reason there's uh, or the same thing. What happens when you have a bought and paid for Supreme Court, bought and paid for everything um, that doesn't. Abide by the rules. Well, no, you just have a rogue president. So, whereas I would have said that was the most important election, now truly, with everything that's happened with Juan Orlando and his and his kin, specifically his mm-hmm. brother, and with what's at stake as far as uh, the uh, continuation of nationalist national party. Uh, ethos or oh, pathos really and of their politics and the possibility of a non-traditional party that being the alliance of Siomara mm-hmm. and Salvador narrala uh, a, a very um, um, different
2: mm-hmm.
1: compared to the traditional trajectory of presidents that have yeah. and even dictators that have come prior Um uh, it's and the many rumors that are going around, uh some of which are founded that I have sources in specific places who tell me of um, all kinds of honestly terrifying plots mm-hmm. uh, that are possibly in motion for what's going to happen directly on election day mm-hmm. as well as afterwards so. Yep. It's almost like a historical uh, hinge point Mm -hmm. for Honduras. Yep. Whatever happens now will define. And however, these unfortunately two powerful people um, at the top, their decisions will Mm -hmm. define our next 10 years. Will we have another decade like we had right now that resulted in thousands of dead in the country. Mm -hmm. Thousands more disappeared or dead in the migrant route.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Thousands who left the country never to come back. Mm -hmm. Thousands of youth who never got to see beyond their 20s. Mm -hmm. And the countless children who are starving to death in a country with such rich soil and resources. Are we going to have another one of those? I don't know. I mean, the country's going to survive, but the amount of suffering that's going to come up, can possibly come our way is, is unimaginable.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the alternative to nationalist resolution, uh, I'm sorry, to a nationalist president, which, or I'm sorry, to, uh, I should say that a different way that. In this historical hinge point, if we go for the less bad or even a good Mm -hmm. path, there is just so much work to do to correct the course of the country Mm -hmm. that it'll take many, uh, many administrations and the goodwill and um, effort of so many different actors who have so far only acted in their interest. Mm-hmm. It's such a uh, Herculean task that it's 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 just really hard. Mm-hmm. Um so I think that for many the goal right now is and I think that there's an, a, a, uh, an understanding by and large about Honduras. Maybe they don't articulate it this way or they understand it in a different way, but there isn't, concretely, there is a feeling, I believe, that this is, right now, we're at a crossroads, at a very important mm-hmm. crossroads yeah. that will determine what happens, uh, if not in the near future, for the next 10 years.
0: Yeah. And I think it's very important, like how you say it, because okay. it's like we had uh, like so many, uh, so many points from, let's just start from, like you said, you know, from like, and it was like, you know, and we thought like those are the most important elections. And when it comes to like, like the legal election. Um, and. It, it, this is the most important election because this will, you know, show if the country is willing to go with that. I mean nobody was, but you know, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's still illegal mm. to this point. Uh, and we thought those were the most important elections. Of course like we we don't determine the future, you know. But I, I do believe that these elections are one of in just how you say it, one of the most important elections that probably has ever had. Because if it it will determine what, what what the rest of the you know what the future will look like and like you said you you perfectly put it perfectly like the next ten years or so and i do think that in I, I feel like it, if if you can't agree with me it will not be just you know we just don't need one what's 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 the right where like we don't need just one presidency like we do just don't need mm-hmm. oh my god what is the word? Yeah, what I'm trying to say is that the country will not be you know kind of like I'm not going to say solved but like repair or you know in that sense or put in track because there's so much work to do in four years you know we we understand that um, however mm-hmm. I feel like whatever the results are of you know we'll, we could say today <laughs> um, we'll determine what how the country would look. And I said, like, you know, the alliance is something different that we have seen from past, you know. I mean, it happened back in 2017. That was when the election happened, right? Mm-hmm. 2017, yeah. um, It happened back then. And we see all these, like, cycles of... like like, you know Which is, you know, like, fraud elections, a lot of... Things that does not match, and I feel that that's why when we come, when we talk about how the Honduran population feels, and keeping in mind that these are elections are so important for the whole country, and for even people who have migrated outside um, of Honduras, is. Mm-hmm. Why do we keep having this, like the sentiment? So like, you know, throughout the years, of it has felt like the election does not work because of, of that, because of always constantly failing of, you know, there's always like, oh, there's fraud or this thing happened or so many things. Or like, you know, they already están compradas, that's they say, right? Yeah. So what do you think continues today? And why does the sentiment allows politicians to obtain power?
1: what was the first part of the question
0: so like the first part of the question so like it's well, like what happened uh-huh. so like you know um the sentiment of the Honduran population feeling like has this sentiment of like the like the election does not work or like están compradas, mm-hmm. yeah and yeah so why does it continue today i mean because it had happened for so many years um uh-huh. and why does the sentence what sorry. Why does the sentiment allows politicians to obtain power?
1: Um, Okay. I don't know if I agree with what you said at the end of allows them to keep power. Um, I I mean, personally, I don't share that opinion, but Mm -hmm. I'll say why does it exist? Mm -hmm. It exists because everyone's felt or seen or experienced that lack of accountability. Mm -hmm. everyone's seen the impunity it's not an urban myth or it's not an isolated case that turned into uh, an old wives tale or whatever Mm -hmm. it's something that just everyone knows someone who's had something happen you know like Mm -hmm. i i uh in the i can't remember what election but i was definitely of age because i voted um, uh, my grandfather, who had been dead at this point by 15 years, he was, you know, apparently he had voted, uh, which is mm-hmm. so repulsive, so repulsive mm-hmm. and so insulting. And what can I do? There's nothing I can do. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they, they're using the good name of my grandfather to cast a vote for someone. I don't know if he would have liked or not, but the fact is the man's dead.
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: this happens so many times to so many people. And this is just on an electoral level. If you go, Mm -hmm. if you look at a greater, uh, take a greater scope and see just government and see how hard it is to get anything done that involves the government, let's say to get a passport even, or the mess that was the rollout of the national IDs this year or Mm -hmm. uh, the complete bungling of the different public utilities and how rates just go up and down and up and down and then super up forever and they stay up there. Mm -hmm. Or the countless, countless uh, corruption scandals, like one being the Seguro Social scandal, that if you look it up, um, I think, uh, i I can't do it right now, but if you look it up, it's one of the greatest uh amounts of money stolen by a public official like greatest in numerical value uh corruption scandals that has ever been revealed in the world, not just Honduras. that's the amount of money that was stolen
2: mhm,
1: of which again, there was no consequence, yep. And you go, I could just give, rattle off numbers, you know, of different things that have happened. Uh, the the so called hospitales mobiles for the COVID mm-hmm. crisis that they bought for an absurd amount of money. Mm-hmm. These uh, pieces of trash, frankly, from a con man um, mm-hmm. with no results and mm-hmm. leaving people, you know, I covered the. COVID crisis in Alpa and spent a month or so in one of the hospitals in the COVID wing, just covering how things are managed. I'll never forget, uh, and I'll never forget not because it was so striking, but because I saw it so often. Eight people connected to one tank of oxygen. This is, a, a tank is meant for one human being. Yeah. We so had these people on the verge of death trying to get whatever sip of oxygen they could. Yeah, you know, ultimately of mm-hmm. course they would all die. So you have all these things put together, added up. Again, another accumulation of just such an abusive relationship Mm -hmm. with government. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: And
1: then publicly, you're getting, I guess, gaslit saying that this is the best government of so-and-so and (laughs) and this and that, blah, blah, blah. You feel like you're losing your, you know, your God-blessed mind. So elections are the moment in which you're supposed to hold accountable these people.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And you get to it. And you see that at every turn you have been disappointed or this has been uh, you've been completely disenfranchised, not in the sense that you're not allowed to vote, mm-hmm. such as what disenfranchisement usually means, but you're disenfranchised in the sense that
2: you just
1: <laughs> lost confidence in the gov- in the government mm-hmm. and the state and especially now in the current sense that the present president sorry for the alliteration has made it so that the honduran state almost has been reshaped in his image that the economy passes through the the honduran government no matter what Mm -hmm. uh it just leads everyone to believe i mean the president's nickname is the man but not like with the american implications but rather like the it's it mostly with the hondurasism applied it's like el hombre it mm-hmm. means like el que manda el jefe el, the boss and and the boss. Mm-hmm. so so like there's this belief that it's his word that's not a democracy that's not a republic no. that's a monarchy that's a dictatorship that's totalitarian mm-hmm. that's all these different things so you put all these things together of course uh, it would be unreasonable to have faith in the system yeah mm-hmm. uh-huh so when it comes down to it um and of course the the government uh has and the state and the many uh fossil like uh legislators in congress they don't have any intention of changing that because any any uh as much apathy as much uh zero voter turnout there is the -hmm.
0: better yep Uh, and and, and that is what i was mm -hmm. telling you i know you said that you disagree with me with uh i'm sorry to kind of interrupt you um but Mm -hmm. like how they um that allows the politician to obtain power because it's like for people. And this is something like, you know, personally I have talked, um, and in, in, with my family members, I'll be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, well, why would I go vote if it's going to be the same thing? So the lower turnout of voters, the most power they have because they could just manipulate mm-hmm.
1: it. Yeah. Well, and this is where I would say that, um, Mm, I well, I don't know how to state this because some of this is somewhat confidential, or I, I don't know if it's public knowledge, so I don't know if I can share exactly, but uh, in the previous election with Salvador Narrala versus, uh, against Juan Orlando Hernández, mm-hmm. was that people came out and massed the vote, mm-hmm. and that made the whole difference had they not pulled the unfortunate trick that they did, which mm-hmm. was, bl- to put it bluntly, um, quoting what my colleagues uh, or my sources said, that this, the election was fraudulently taken away from the, from vic- uh, like just from his victory, from, from mm-hmm. Narada's victory.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, it hadn't been possible without the votes that Narada received. So the argument I would make to the people who are saying, why does it matter? Why does it matter? Is that if you, if people go out and vote and quantifiably, verifiably mm-hmm. put so many votes for or, uh, the party that you want, Assuming mm-hmm. that you would not like the the Korean the one, mm-hmm.
0: the yeah,
1: exactly you it is there's only there it's like that saying I can't remember who said it right now. Um, oh my god, I'm confusing it. But someone said that like you can lie to the people sometimes, but you can't lie to the people all the time. You mm-hmm. know, and uh, and there's also The size of a lie matters, and the size of a fraud matters. So you can't cover up when you have such a a huge uh, difference. You know, Mm -hmm. you cannot, you cannot say that through fraud. Like even they have to admit defeat at that point. So my argument for these people is like, if you if you have that energy that you Mm -hmm. despise the current government, well keep it. Apply it. Both mm-hmm. and yes, you are a victim of an abusive relationship, uh, of uh, your relationship being citizen and uh, government. Government, okay. mm-hmm. but um, what else is there? You know. Yeah. Uh, the alternative being of t- taking up arms that failed throughout. Our recent and Latin American history, so that's not of the question. So forget about it. Uh, the other people say God's going to deliver us. Unfortunately, uh, God doesn't cast the vote, so he's not—he's yeah. not a part of it. And so it comes down to the people who make up the country. Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, yeah it's something. true. Yeah, it's true. And I—I I tend to say, you know, when people. Um, tell me like, you know, I'm just not going to vote. I'm like, well, if you don't vote, it's kind of like giving a vote to someone else. If, you know, you don't like, like you said, you don't like the current situation and you don't go to vote or you're just going to go to voto nulo prácticamente. That's giving them more chances. So instead of actually, you know, like, like you said, election is for us to kind of like go put our vote and decide what we think is right for the country. Either that be for you. Do you support the current one or you don't want it? But it, it's an election. And at the end of the day, I think that that's the one of the few rights that we can implement in Honduras. Right? Um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: So having that and I, I'll ask you a question right now. Sorry to just jump around um, because it, it, we talked about this, which is fraud. But, you know, how you said, like, that's the reason why we have this whole sentiment, why people don't believe in the election, because of how many times we have seen fraud in our faces and mm-hmm. daylight. Um, and I asked in the on my social media, well, not my personal, but the po- the podcast once. And I was like, what do you actually want to learn from, f- want to know about the under As most of... The coverage here in the United States is not, you know, they're not going to cover uh, what is the current situation, seeing it from the perspective of Honduras. And one question was like, "Do you think this will be a possibly fraud? Again, have we have seen it so many in so many years? Do you think it will happen again?"
1: You're asking me if like there's possibility for fraud?
0: Do you, no, I mean, I just like you know, if someone asked me, do you yeah. think it will happen again, as it happened for so many years? Um, I mean, I don't
1: know if it's happened for so many years, but last time, definitely. Um, and the the palace politics, as far as Honduras is concerned, it's very interesting because all these guys are friends.
2: Um,
1: <laughs> they, I, I, I know for a fact, some of them in, uh, like how, how it works. There's very little animus between these politicians. It's not like the U.S. where uh at least performatively or publicly they hate each other and they spit fire at each other like you know Ted Cruz mm-hmm. tweeting about AOC every day or something <laughs> like that. It's not it's not like that per se. Mm-hmm. Uh not exactly. Um which is not to say that there's not disagreement or anything. But what I'm saying is that there's a lot of uh com comra uh they they're friends. They all a lot of them uh went to the same schools. A lot of them um uh, received the same trainings, a lot of them are of the same class, you know, so they go to the same parties, go to the same weddings, you know. It's they know each other. So a lot of it, a lot of it is just dirty well, I shouldn't apply my opinion there, but deals done behind back doors, you know. Uh the person who bucked the trend truly was uh, Orlando, mm-hmm. um, and forcing the different elites, military elites, landowning elites, the present economic elites to come kind of like come to heel because of uh, he's a smart political operator. But his megalomania and narcissism has put, placed him in such a specific, uh, perilous position in which, you know, there is. Uh, substantial and significant belief that he is in the sights of the Southern District of New York's uh, site, which Mm is the same court that uh, asked for the extradition and ultimately gave a life sentence to his
0: uh, brother. brother. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have talked about the many crises, Honduras uh, has the current election, the current sentiment of the, you know, the population, the Honduran population. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, they kind of like, explain that really how, and I'll include myself um, as a like mm-hmm. how we all feel. Uh, but have, having all these crises and knowing like all these things, especially for this specific election, why do you think mm-hmm. is the biggest problem that Honduras currently has? And like, do you think um let me just summarize it and then just one one question uh, give me one second, let me just try to summarize it
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: um, you know what like the biggest problem it has, and do you think that after the results we will do you think that we will start seeing a real change or try to work towards that change when it comes to the biggest problem that that the country is currently facing at this moment? Mm -hmm. Well, I think
1: that currently the biggest material problem that is somewhat the root of all evil, if I'm allowed to be uh, trite by repeating that uh, often-mentioned cliché, is corruption from Mm -hmm. that stem everything, you know, Mm -hmm. a politician or whomever stealing the funds of a street that could eventually lead to a possible school or a clinic or et cetera, uh, destroys that possible Mm -hmm. timeline and leaves instead a dirt road, inaccessible, a bad reputation, crime, drugs, suicide, Sex trafficking, feminicide, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, in a, in a more, uh, like, ex- like in an extreme but very frequent case, or corruption ends up with the, how many p- people died because of the Seguro Social scandal in which
3: mm-hmm.
1: the alleged leader of Seguro Social, a doctor, no less. Who was supposed to have a Hippocratic oath to help the infirm, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. ended up stealing nearly $300 million. And how many people died? We'll never know. Mm-hmm. How yeah. many people died because of the whole COVID disaster? And on and on it goes. Mm-hmm. And then we look at uh, how, m- because of the corrupt decisions to, uh, Fool international donors into sending more money for security measures or some BS
2: mm-hmm.
1: like cockamamie schemes like says that are not going to work. Mm-hmm. Like uh, no matter what, like yeah, they can hype them up all they want, but they're not going to get off the ground uh, mm-hmm. because because these foreigners are going to smash into the wall of corruption, <gasps> like. Right, like they're gonna get played too, and they'll find out the hard way. No hard feeling. Uh, I spared not a single bad feeling for them, though. What I'm saying is that corruption, being as it is right now, is the source that, if if there's anything that can be blamed as the wellspring of our misery, I would say it's corruption. Corruption. And how can that be solved? It, unfortunately, um, something like that. Cicig, as it existed in in Guatemala, is our best bet. Mm-hmm. But everyone is, i shouldn't say that. A lot of people, a lot of Honduran elites, political elites, military elites, probably a lot of the economic elites and so forth have their hands dirty
2: mm-hmm.
1: and incredibly dirty, filthy, filled with blood and there's so many different awful things that they've done in their past, would they honestly allow a watchdog group to get even close to uh, pulling uh, the curtain from all the atrocities they've committed? Yeah. That's, a, that's a tall order. We tried, mm-hmm. and they gave us a, def- a defanged version with a maxi. And the moxie got close and then they shut it down.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So, but that's the way. That's what uh, Sabaor wants to do, you know, Mm -hmm. the ostensible possible VP, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, because we don't have a VP, we have a designal. So there's that. Uh, But if I have to name one, it's corruption.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And
1: to get corruption controlled, we need help from outside actors. I don't know about the U.S., because the U.S. has had um, mm-hmm. a very unsuccessful schemes. Um, because, I mean, the U.S. mostly often, any policy choices uh, that mm-hmm. the U.S., USAID uh, uh, suggests. Or all, or almost imposes, are all not in the benefit of Honduras, but they're oh, to advance American interests in mm-hmm. Honduras, if not the region. Um, and so, so there's that. But that there is a way to take care of it. But it needs political will. It needs, and it leads a lot of fortitude, moral fortitude, ethical fortitude by the leaders at the top. And mm-hmm. a lot of sacrifices have been have to be made for a lot of people that have their hands dirty. And I don't mm-hmm. think those people are going to go down without a fight, meaning mm-hmm. they won't allow the courts like this to happen.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And but that's,
1: think, that's that's the... That's what needs to happen.
0: Yeah. And I think I, I agree with you. I think that if, if someone would have, like, if someone would ask me what what problem do you think is the biggest problem, it would be corruption, because they think that's the that's the beginning of everything. Um, and you said it's it, and um,
1: unaccountability on the oh, other yeah. side of things, yeah. Um, uh, mm-hmm. and impunity, which all these things are just like if it's yeah. like kind of like a Janus statue with three faces pointing <laughs> in different directions. those are mm-hmm. the three faces of. The maledictions of Honduras—it's impunity, the lack of accountability, and corruption.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And like, and it's true. Uh, I think that we need a, we like a, um, something that would, of course, start for us to change that problem, but for the people who have their hand dirty, they will not allow it, and it's. Like I it says, most of the people in the government, most of the people like in security, um, the elites, um, like we call it, like the the families who probably rule the whole country. So well, uh, I'm not going to say, like, we'll see what happens today <laughs> uh, because I'm a bit nervous, of course, um, for the elections and and also what the events, how the would resolved. I just said, like, you know, Mm -hmm. like, they will not, nobody will go down without a fight. Um, And of course, like, feel like the underin population is always like, see, like, I think kind of having from the perspective of what happened in the last elections, um, I think that most, if I can say most of them, are already ready of what can, of not ready, but preparing of what the worst can happen. You know what I mean? From Mm -hmm. it comes to, like, you know, stuff like that um which is I, I i don't i cannot say you know if it would happen or not but there's the sentiment of like being ready for that
1: For what exactly i'm sorry
0: no no for exact like what i say is like you know when we talk when we're gonna be talking about you know the sentiment of not um of hopelessness like uh, include that you said um of preparing of safety when it comes to what how can how can i put this into perspective and uh, i'm like trying to grasp for words in the air um <laughs> uh, what i'm saying mm-hmm. is that you know if if it happens to get to the to what happened on the last election that they got to the streets of uh protestings and stuff like that. I feel like um there's this sentiment of like you need to get ready for the worst, just in case that get to happen.
1: No, no, no. In Honduras, there's no in case. It's going yeah. to happen. Yeah,
0: yeah, but yeah, but I don't want. I, I, I you said I try to be optimistic and thinking like you know, but it will be fine.
1: That that's yeah. that's not a matter of, of optimism or 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 pessimism. That's
0: yeah,
1: a matter of being realistic. Yeah, it's I know. Like it's it's the same way of saying, you know, there's a category five mega hurricane coming straight towards us. And being, I'm going to be optimistic and there's not going to be any flooding. Yeah, I I know. Uh, I know. <laughs> it's,
3: it's, it doesn't
1: change what's going to happen. It's, uh, And I mean, I can't really speak directly about some of the things that I know, but
0: mm-hmm. people
1: are getting ready.
0: Yeah, um, that, that's not one of the questions that I was going to say, because um, as yeah. people who know, most of the like I talk with my families of course to check how they are and one of the things that they told me was like oh yeah we're getting ready for the election like meaning canned food a lot of things and this is not something I have ever heard from them even if it was from the past election I've never heard like being prepared like you know like like you said like put it in the perspective of like a, a hurricane how you say it, like being prepared for no well you
1: know mo- most uh like say people who are i don't know 50 60 70 they should have memories of the many coups that happened in the 70s and 60s mm, yeah and the war with El Salvador and how things uh even though it was just a week uh, I'm sorry a day um, how things happened. I mean, mm-hmm. the nickname of Teusti Alpa, a lot of people don't know this. is Teusti Golpe, mm-hmm. and you know Golpe de Estado. Um, I didn't know my you, nickname. No, a lot of people, no. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. It's like okay. a lot of people don't know about the political realities of Honduras because a lot of people haven't been involved. <laughs> And there's no, it's no criticism or anything, but it's like, you know, there's, it exists. It has existed. Anyway, uh, so it's like people in those yeah have had this practice, you know, like uh, we were prepared in my house with, um, in the run up to the 2009 coup. I didn't understand at the time, but my mom was like, no, 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 we have to, we have to, we have to. Like, I know you're exaggerating. Oh, she, she was right. Um, well, we are preparing, uh, at home. We 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 have our, our supplies. Mm-hmm. But I, when I said we're preparing, I don't mean as far as preparing for,
0: for war, <laughs> weathering, the,
1: weathering the storm. Mm-hmm. I'm saying preparing for fighting,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: to be the storm, rather. Uh, there's a lot of people who are doing that and yeah. the powers that be are aware of that it's it's like kind of if you know anything about the old west you know at least in the mythos of the american old west was that if there was going to be a a, a firefighter or, a, or a, a gun duel or anything like these things uh, everyone locked their doors and stayed inside and watched for the windows like at least in the movie so mm-hmm. like that's what people are doing right now um, that's what's going to happen. A lot of people are going to vote if mm-hmm. they vote and they're going to lock themselves and mm-hmm. hope that their house doesn't get caught in the, in the uh, crossfire. I mean, it's at this point, it's fait accompli, you know, it's, it's, it's guaranteed. It's our destiny. And, uh, like I'm buying body armor, you know uh because I'm gonna cover it, and last time I covered it they they nearly broke they fissured my ribs and uh I received dozens of cuts got hit by a falling wall that somehow I didn't get crushed um uh, I was hit by, uh, thing, I don't know what it was exactly that, uh, um, I was thrown, the police officers threw at me, uh, that cut my head, you know, my scalp and beyond that, um, so I'm ready. I'm prepared because I don't want that to happen again, you know? And I remember seeing the police and the military police shooting uh, live ammunition into the crowd. I remember seeing people falling down dead or being injured. So there's two things you can do. Not see them for what they are and hope for the best, which materially doesn't get you anywhere i don't think or see them for what they are and protect you and yours or if you're gonna be involved in these uprisings or well, be prepared to to what the well, the worst that they can send to you which is outside of killing you is send you to a dungeon so you can rot for many many years. So it's not good. It's not looking good in any by any metric. Um it's not looking good from a foreign policy perspective. Uh I don't think uh the American the the Biden administration is going to do anything good. Everything that they've done so far facing uh, Central America has been not even a joke. It's just been insulting, um, and so I I don't see. I mean, Joe Joe Biden said himself that he considers Juan Orlando a good good friend in his autobiography that came out not too long ago, and uh, and you could go down the line of all the different things that they've done. So I don't. But unfortunately, America is one of the kingmakers. They get to choose, you know. Um, But they're not the only ones. The military is also a kingmaker there. Uh, So I guess ultimately what I'm saying is that it's going to be bad, but it's something that needs to happen. And... You know, it's not a Hollywood ending. It's not good versus evil. It's a lot of gray. Uh, it's very muddled. It's very confusing. It's very emotionally um, difficult because of all these accumulated traumas. I myself um, have significant PTSD because of some of those things that I've lived and seen. But I don't think you have to be a conflict journalist to have a PTSD. If you're Honduran, that's it. You have trauma You, you that, that will affect you, that will Im- involve itself in your personal life, in your private time. So um, I think one of the questions that you asked is, what are the things that can be done to change the current state of affairs? And since your audience is mostly American, there is something that Americans can do, actually. And that is stop snorting cocaine. The demand of cocaine is what allows (laughs) these people I've been mentioning to corrupt. It is the obscene amount of money that the drug trade leaves behind that transforms uh, a child with hopes and dreams within the span of 10 maybe even five years into a uh, picario you know just because that's the only way to have any kind of economic uh growth as one narco told me once, uh it's better to live like a king for one day than to be a slave for my whole life you know he was referring to that he was starving to death being a bean farmer. Then one day he became a medical and that was that never turned back. Uh, so if you, we have all these corrupting influences in our lives, in our society, in our uh, um, political system the and economic system, the one thing that Americans can do, and this goes out to vice to fellow Honduran Americans, Central American Americans, or uh, white Americans, black Americans, whomever, anyone who lives in the United States, stop doing cocaine. If you have uh, an addiction or you have a health, uh, a psychological uh, proclivity to it, seek help, speak towards your friends, but you have to know that what you are snorting is the equivalent of blood diamonds you You might not see it, but every little bag that you buy is um what's is there is a long, long trail of blood uh that starts in Colombia and South America pools in Honduras and then splatters in Mexico. So by doing cocaine, you're aiding and abetting and supporting and financing the destruction uh, and the democide of a whole generation of Latin American youth, uh, more specifically Honduran youth. That's one another and another one is that if you're Honduran is living in honduras uh or living in the states you have to, uh, i think that in the u s it's a lot easier but if you're in honduras you have to, i think that we talk a lot about a failed state a narco state and all these different things but i think that's something that I've seen more and more honestly this is incredibly depressing but is that we're also a failed society there is no empathy whatsoever no one cares about their their neighbor Um, people go through maybe an extreme case and not everywhere either but there's such distance between us our society has been completely atomized and that results in absolute fury and rage at everything at the moment. Everyone's ready to jump down everyone's neck. And since it's a violent place, everyone's ready to call someone to kill someone who they got into disagreement with. And I wish I was exaggerating, but I've heard these cases happen time and time and time and time again. And I've seen it how people treat each other. Not always all the time, but it's understandable because people are under such stress, so under such accumulated stress. But it's not, and not everything's gonna be the fault of the Americans and American foreign policy, and of Juan Orlando. Change has to start from within, you know. And it's hard to ask, hey, someone who has is working three jobs, has an abusive spouse, and their children are in a gang, and one's about to uh, to migrate, to to be kind. How could you? But for those that aren't at that extreme, they ha- it has to be done. Um, because that's where I believe that the power either by design or by just inertia, uh we have been divided completely. And and as long as that's the case, we have I, I I don't have any hope for any change whatsoever. And all these things that other people said that we're a cautionary tale or that we're uh, a wounded animal that will never be the same again or whatever metaphor, however good or or bad it would be. We can do things too that don't involve money or time. It just means being a decent person to someone who's ha- who's who's having a rough go. You know, be empathetic. But these days, honestly, being in Honduras, it feels like that's too much to ask of people because people just have it that bad. And that's why I insist on using the word hopelessness and the word despair. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then you know I think, um, with all that that you said, I um I think we can't finish there. I think you closed it really really nice about the whole. Well, you can summarize everything, but yeah. Um, I just wanted to ask you if you have anything else to say or anything, last comments or anything. Um,
1: I guess not. But if people are interested in my work, they can follow me on Instagram at Tomas. T O M A S underscore A Y U S O.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. You okay. can you can find me here uh, complaining with the same energy and with uh, a lot more swear words with <laughs> a lot spicier politics uh, there. If, you, <laughs> if, you, if if you like this energy, I got more of it.
0: <laughs> no, but thank you thank you Tomás. thomas and for everyone who wants to follow Tomás' work i'll link it um, i'll link your your instagram down to the episode notes so that can, you guys can go follow and follow his work um and now that i know you're going to be in honduras during the elections um take care <laughs> and that's all i got to say like be safe take care and of course i'll be um how was it called es que pendiente de tus redes sociales um, mm-hmm. see from your side. Um, but once again, thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Tomas, for coming to the podcast. Thank you for like telling us, like, from the perspective and how you know how it feels from like these elections. Um, and it was, it was an honor to have you here on the podcast.
1: So you, you're very generous and I do appreciate the invitation. I wish the podcast the best and you know, consider me a friend of the podcast forever however long uh and as long uh, as it continues and i hope it continues for perpetuity we need we need you all
0: thank you thank you so much Uh,
1: in fact i believe that this podcast is one of the first steps into fostering empathy again
0: oh thank you thank you if you'd like to support this podcast and my work you can donate through our website or become a patron don't forget to check our website at central where you can subscribe to our mailing list follow us on instagram at symptom voices podcast and on twitter at symptom voices pod like and follow our facebook page where you can join the central American voices facebook group also subscribe to our youtube channel where we're going to continue sharing this episodes as a video format but don't forget to come back for our next episode